I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there. It's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to your weekly nerd alert it's the uh the show where we break down all the stuff you need to know about the world of nerds geeks and losers no so uh, uh um um hey, idiosyncratic fans yeah <laughs> what was that scott you're fine with losers that's okay <laughs> we're good with it uh but we were losers before it was cool uh that's true. what a nerd is <laughs> with me <laughs> This week, as always, my right-hand man, the man who keeps the nerd in the Talk Nerdy to Me network, Commander Scott. Greetings. And my my, my little-known nerd fact for this week that I like to spout off is a little bit of a departure from my norm. Because it has nothing to do with science or technology or anything. Oh. I like to stay. Um, you're both familiar with the uh, the actor, writer, producer, Jack Webb, right? Vaguely. Vaguely. Maybe. Jack Webb, of course, actor, producer uh, from the, the 1960s. Dragnet, right? Dregs, Dragnet, yes. He's, yeah. he's most well-known for Dragnet. Dragnet, of course, very well-known for its its opening uh, theme song, which, which started, or not as a theme song, but it's just opening intro, which started out with that iconic dum da dum dum and it goes into his opening monologue. Mm-hmm. I found out this week that that was so popular and so well well known to him that somebody sent a fan letter to uh, Jack Webb with no other address on it other than dum de dum dum. That's all it had on the envelope. <laughs> and it made it to his office. Wow. It got to him. And that said a lot to me about the state of our postal system today, because apparently it's a crapshoot right now if you actually get stuff through. Yet, in the 1960s, dum de dum dum the U.S. Postal Service could get a letter to Jack. That's all you needed. That's all you needed. <laughs> nice. Well, that's been just the facts, ma'am, with Scott Cox. <laughs> and riding out this trio, uh, the... Uh, I don't have a good trio lined up. The Porthos to our three musketeers. Joining us via the DeLorean from somewhere in time and space, it's the Doc. This sash was a gift from the Queen of America. There's no Queen, There's of, no America. Queen of America. <laughs> I beg to differ. She and I are on, oh, what is it? Uh, 
quite intimate terms. terms. Quite intimate terms. Quite intimate you terms. Can't prove otherwise. No. <laughs> and you didn't call us little pimple either. Little pimple. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not on my A game today. Right. So. so join us next month for a dramatic reading of the script <laughs> of the Three Musketeers. <laughs> uh, good times. I'm jiggy with it. Porthos the pirate. Told you I was famous. Yeah. God, such a good movie. Okay, it is. Um, you know what? Uh, Let's just scrap what we're going to talk about today. Let's just go with this. We're just going to spend all 90 minutes talking about how much we love Three Musketeers <laughs> from 1993. I think I'm going to go with that until someone says otherwise. Uh, no, today's actual topic was inspired by the doc. Uh, if you joined us for last week's episode, we talked about um, non-MCU Marvel movies. So Marvel properties that are not connected to the MCU. It was a good time. It was a really fun episode. Uh, but while we were talking about that, the doc brought up that the first time he watched Blade, he didn't know Blade was a Marvel property uh, until the little tag popped up in the credits saying based on the, the Marvel comic. Uh, so that little tidbit got my brain going because uh, I feel like too often, especially nowadays, the word comic book movie has become synonymous with superhero movie and that's not always the case um there are plenty of comic books out there that have nothing to do with superheroes so today uh if you couldn't figure it out already today we're going to talk about uh the best slash our favorite non-superhero comic book movies you mean like batman Uh, right yes clearly batman Batman, yes. Batman, attorney at law, yes. Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> Phil Spider-Man. No, no Spider-Man has superpowers. Um, so today we're strictly talking about, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, non-superhero comic book movies. There's, there's a lot of them out there. In and, and comic books, uh, if you've ever spent five minutes in a comic book store, covered a very wide range of topics and genres. You name it, there's a comic book of it, especially now in the age where there are so many licensed properties. Uh, but we're going to talk about the ones that you may not know actually began as comic book. Um, that being said, the doc, since you yeah. inspired this topic, do you want to lead us off? Yeah, so back in college, I took a class called um, Film and Literature. And one of our topics, we had to give a presentation on um, a set or a film mm-hmm. and it's literary adaptation. Okay. And me, me being me, I asked my, uh, well, she wasn't a professor. She was like an assistant professor. I said, are we allowed to do something that isn't a book per se? And she said, yeah, of course, whatever literature you can find. So I gave my presentation on my first um, film and that is V for Vendetta. Solid choice, sir. So I have a question. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna raise my hand. Oh, oh, me, pick me. Yeah, yes, Scott Cox, Commander Scott. Um, you said that you had to do something of a movie and its literary adaptation. Yes. So that would mean it was a movie first. Well, I'm sorry. We had to do. Uh, so we uh, had to do some sort of original source. And the film that version got made of it. it. Okay, okay. Sorry. So it it yeah. didn't matter which came first. No. So okay. you could do... It was because the the class was film and literature. 
So my entire presentation actually did two graphic novels, but I'm going to talk about one for right now. And that was V for Vendetta. Okay. From... And uh, I read, so I had to read V for Vendetta because I had never read it. Mm-hmm. And um, let me tell you something. Having seen the movie first and then reading the graphic novel, I was oh. like, they needed to do some. The movie is great. I love the yes. movie. But when you read the graphic novel, you go, whoa, wait a minute. This all makes <laughs> so much more sense now. Yeah, yeah uh, I was the same way. that's an Alan Moore uh, property, and his stuff is usually pretty dense. Um, yeah, I mean in a good way, but there's there's Alan Moore famous probably for uh, Watchmen, even though he's taken his name off of it for every uh, adaptation thereof. But um, his the worlds he builds are very very complex, and there's a lot going on in his books. Uh, so adapting those can be very difficult because yeah. there's a lot to unpack. And that's that was one of the key factors in my presentation was that is it better to do a completely faithful adaptation of the source material, um, name drops in city, or is it better to sort of mold your product to the source material? So I think V for Vendetta as a film did a great job of taking the source material and sort of making its own thing. Uh, and then when I went back and actually, and when I read V for Vendetta, the graphic novel, I was like, yeah, if they went shot for shot, complete honest to goodness remake, like turn it into a film, you're talking like a four or five hour film oh, yeah. with a lot of subplots. Um, but there's a lot. It- It'd be a limited streaming series, ten episode yeah, limited yeah. streaming show. Yeah, and honestly, it wouldn't. It's it's it would still today make a really good uh, miniseries, a streaming miniseries. Yeah, yeah, I'd watch it. Another adaptation. Um, um, I was oh. the same way as you. I, I I saw the movie first before I read the graphic novel, and I always loved that soliloquy that he gives when you when you first meet him. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Because it, it's just so beautiful. I mean, you know, he, he he rescues Evie, you know, and he turns around, you know, and he says, I'm going to show you. I mean, you know harm. And she says, who are you? <laughs> who? Who is but the form following the function of what? And what I am is a man in a mask. I can see that. <laughs> well, of course you can. I wasn't questioning your powers of observation, but merely remarking upon the paradox of asking a master man who he is. Yeah. I love that whole thing. Keep going. Uh, Give us the whole V soliloquy. <laughs> Voila. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you're like oh, a crazy person. Oh, right. <laughs> she says, uh, oh, oh, right. And he says, but on this most auspicious of nights, permit me then, in lieu of the more commonplace subriquet, to suggest a character for this dramatis persona. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the Vox Populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified, and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice, and vouchsafing the violently voracious violation of volition. 
The only verdict is vengeance. A vendetta held as a votive, not in vain. For the value and veracity as our one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. Until that time... Ah, forget, fuck, I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, keep going. We're not going to stop. Keep going. <laughs> sure, let's go on, Scott. Uh, the vigilant and the virtuous. Um... Fuck, I lost it. I lost it. Line. 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 Yeah, line. <laughs> Sorry, I had it and I lost it. Nice. That was good. Very well done, sir. Uh, uh, and yeah. also, um, when they, like, I don't know who who decided to cast for that movie. <laughs> but when they said, like, I, I just wanted to be in the room when the person's like, who are we going to have be V? And somebody just goes, Hugo Weaving? Like... <laughs> uh so fun story he was not the original v really um yeah you know i have to look it up because camera off the top of my head but they cast a completely different guy and started shooting and i forget what exactly happened but he left the project after production had started uh and they brought hugo weaving in at the 11th hour um as a as a favor to it was the director of the producers um because he's he worked with them on something else uh so some of those scenes it's not hugo weaving he he dubbed because v wears a mask the whole time uh he, he dubbed over some some stuff but it's not always him and he was not the first choice that's crazy because he's it, it, perfect for yeah, that role you look back on it it's like well who the hell else would just like you know why would you even try but yeah uh, yeah he he nailed it I think all the casting in that was perfect. Um, the detective, I can't think of his name. Like, I can't, I don't know the actor either, but I can't think of the detective's name. Well, it's got a great performance from John Hurt as the yeah. head of the, um, what's called the Norse Fire or whatever, the 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 not-Nazi Nazi party. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a wonderful and it's uh, it's one of those. Okay, here we go. It was it was written or adapted by the Wachowskis, who obviously knew Hugo Weaving through the Matrix. Um, and I'm trying to find the name of the guy who was originally cast. Yeah. I, while you're looking at that, I always give this movie props because they didn't fall into the trope of having a popular actor and removing the mask to show the actor. Yeah. He stays, they, they keep him in mass the whole time. And it's crazy the emotion that Hugo Weaving got just using his voice. Like, that, I call it the Hugo v, Hugo Weaving renaissance, the yeah. early 2000s, because he was in almost everything, it seemed like. Um, I also like that this movie is what introduced me to uh, 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 Eggs in a Basket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. James Purefoy was the original actor cast to play V, and he was replaced four <laughs> weeks into shooting. <clears throat> nice. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it Again, the novel's uh, very dense with world building and, you know, setting up the government and even down to the details of like the government is set up like a body so the surveillance wing or the the eyes or the ears are called and then the the muscle on the ground or the fingermen like that you know it's 
it's dense with stuff like that with the, you know, it, it creates its own terminology, its own vocabulary for the world. It creates its own history. Um, so there's a lot of that to get into. And the adaptation does a really good job of condensing that and giving you enough information to follow the story, enough information to get uh, an appreciation of what's going on and, and, you know, a hint of a deeper world, but not bog itself down. So I think you're right. Like if you enjoy the film, but you've never read the graphic novel, definitely go seek it out because yeah. it's just more of what you want. So, yeah, That's, that was yeah. the one this, as soon as we came up with that topic of non-superhero comic book movies, I was yeah. like, V for Vendetta. <laughs> like I can watch that over and over again and not get sick of it. No, it's a great first one to bring up, man. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to go old school, my first one. Ooh. Because, uh, and, and, and this one gets a little, you can deduct me a half star if you want. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it fits the bill. Um, on the half show, the Heroes 4. And this day, oh. you can ask for more. Oh, nice. Uh, 1990 from New Line, pre Lord of the Rings, the house that Freddie built. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the 1990 live action film. I know there's quite a few Ninja Turtles movies now, but I am specifically talking just about the first 1990 live action Turtles movie. Yes. Uh, still, for me, the bar for Turtles properties. Uh, it is. So, New Line licensed the Ninja Turtles from Mirage Comics, not the cartoon, which is where a lot of the big differences between. <laughs> kids our age who went and saw it or and then like an older audience who knew the turtles from the comics because the comics and the cartoon are night and day oh yes uh, they eventually came out with was it ninja turtles adventures which was much more in line with the cartoon so parents could buy their kids turtles comics but literally spoilers uh uh the original turtles comic was done as a parody of like dark frank miller-esque uh, comic book stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was. A, if I'm... Uh, it, it was. It was. It was almost a, a, a garage grunge comic too. It, it, oh yeah, yeah. It was. It didn't have a major publisher no. when they first it, started. It was, the first run was a thousand issues, self-published. Yeah. Um. It. it so the original comic, uh, if you've never read it or you don't know anything, if you only know it from the movies and from the cartoon, the original comic was a one-off. They never expected it to be anything more than let's maybe, maybe we can sell some issues of this. They never thought it would be an ongoing comic book series, let alone a cartoon series, let alone an action figure line, let alone this whole phenomena of the eighties and nineties that turtles was and continues to be. Um, so at the end of issue one, Leonardo decapitates shredder. And I don't mean like off panel. I'm talking like full on gory decapitation. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the the turtles. Yeah, there's no cowabunga dude surfer talk. Uh, it's super grim, dark, uh, super violence, and and obviously changes were made to turn it into a kids safe cartoon. Uh, yeah. But so kids, me and in the docs age who grew up on the turtles cartoon and went to go see the live action turtles were a little confused when suddenly the foot soldiers were just guys in ninja outfits. They weren't robots. <laughs> Yeah. There was no Krang or no Dimension X, no Rocksteady, yeah. no Bebop. Um, 
those are all inventions of the cartoon. Um, there's kind of an equivalent to Krang in, in the original comics, but it's not quite Krang. Um, Rocksteady and Bebop are totally made up for the cartoon, which is why in the second movie, we got Tokar and Razor, not Bebop and Rocksteady because of rights issues. But anyway, what I'm trying to make, this version of Turtles was kind of a gateway for us kids of a certain age that Ninja Turtles could kind of scale up. It could kind of mature up. It wasn't just this goofy cartoon. It could be kind of, it could be dark. Uh, Raphael can yell damn, uh, which man, my parents loved that. (laughs) I learned some fun new words watching Ninja Turtles. Um, (laughs) The, the turtle suits, even uh, what are we talking? 30 years on uh still look fantastic they were done by the jim henson creature shop uh they still look great they brought in uh japanese stunt crews to do all the martial arts work so when they're fighting it's skilled movie martial artists inside the suits which is why the fight scenes work so well um it's uh brought Elias Cotes or Codius, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, as the definitive Casey Jones. Sorry, Stephen Amell, I love you, but there's one Casey Jones. Um, this movie is fantastic. Oh, they can say Tell me you didn't pay money for that. <laughs> Class is pain 101. Your instructor's Casey Jones. Oh, man. Um, no, you gotta know what a trumpet is to understand cricket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, never looked another guy before. That's so bad. It's so good though. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's it's seriously, it's again, as a kid only knowing the cartoon, watching this movie, it was like, oh, this can be kind of like grown up. Uh because it 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 ditched it kept just enough of the cartooniness. Like the turtles all have their individual color bandanas. They're not all red like the comics will later do. Uh, it wasn't shot in black and white. Although, I wouldn't be surprised if someone tries that now. I'm like, look, we're going back to the original comics and it's all black and white. Um, it, it, it retained enough of the surfer talk and the cowabunga um, that kids who grew up on the cartoon didn't feel totally alienated. Um, but it really stuck closer to the, the turtles in the comic than it did the turtles that we know of in, in the, the cartoon. And that's why I love this movie. It's like a gateway drug to the bigger world of Ninja Turtles. Um, it set records at the time on a budget of $13.5 million, which is nothing to scoff at in 1990 money. It made $201 million worldwide. It was the highest grossing independent comic book movie of all time at that time. Uh, I did not look up what beat it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just, again, they're kind of superheroes. They have a secret lair. If you count colored bandanas, they have costumes. They fight an evil uh, uh, ninja clan. Oh, forgot to mention the Shredder in this movie is scary as fuck. Uh, that scene where they introduce him in the uh, the foot hideout. With like the uh, you know they they pull back his cape to show the shoulder armor and he's got that deep uh, uh, like bad guy Shredder voice like I I knew Shredder is like the bumbling idiot from the cartoon show and this Shredder gave me nightmares because uh, he wasn't fucking around yeah uh, well, I lost my point but yeah 
and as somebody who you know who had read the comic and and of course I mean, uh the, the cartoon was on when i was you know a, a kid because i i had the original line of turtle toys uh and everything uh, i may have been a bit older but i i did uh, you know I'm, i i got introduced to the turtles through the cartoon even though i was around during the comic because the comic was not widely distributed. No, not at all. Even even at the time that the cartoon came around, uh, so you couldn't really get a hold of it. And you know, I I got a hold of it later, and I tried to read the original Kevin Eastman or the stuff, and I didn't care for it. Uh, I still don't. Um, but in, in all honesty, stick with the cartoon and the and and the first movie. Um, but, Stick uh, with the first five episodes of the cartoon. The uh, that that was the original miniseries that they yeah. made to sell the toys. And and, and I mean, I'm not saying it, the cartoon goes downhill pretty quick. It does, but uh, but if you want to talk about uh, a situation where a creator really, really loses control and touch of of his original property as quickly as Eastman does. And I don't mean creative control. That's, that's not what I mean or anything. Cause he, he got paid for everything. He got paid well for everything as far as I know. Um, but once it got to the, you know, the cartoon and it became popular and stuff. I mean, in my opinion, my humble opinion, Eastman really has no idea what's going on with the turtles. I mean, he's tried to redo stuff himself and it's just like, dude, no, just stop. Let other people do it. <laughs> Just collect your check and stay in the shadows. Well, and that's, yeah, uh, kind of the sad story of how they ended up is, is uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, the guys who created it, they had yeah. kind of falling out in the, I guess, mid-90s over exactly that, the direction that <clears throat> the Turtles were going in. And uh, specifically, Eastman was just all about, let's make money, and, and never said no to anything. And... um I think it was around the time they were doing the next mutation live action show when Laird was just like, fuck this, I'm done. And sold out his share to Eastman, um, who I think not long ago sold it all to Nickelodeon. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, if you're only familiar with Turtles from the cartoons, which most of us probably are, because let's face it, it was much more prevalent uh, at that time. And it aired a lot longer. That that show didn't end till like ninety seven. It went a lot longer than I remember because I'd already jumped off the bandwagon. Um, check out this original movie. Forget the the newer ones. Uh, I forget what the 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 CGI turtle ones. TMNT. Well, no, no, no. The full CGI TMNT watch because that one's awesome. Oh, um, teenage. Uh, the uh, what's his face. The Michael Bay about, ones. Michael Bay, the, the, yeah. The latest live actions, yeah. Where yes. they're like superhero, super-powered turtles. That... Where they slide down a mountain and end up in New York. Yep. Yeah, ignore those. Uh, and again, it hurts me to say because the, the second one tried to fix things, but it was it was too much, too late, uh, which doesn't make sense, but somehow it does. Uh, there, were, there were aspects of the second one that were good because, you know, they were taken straight from the first Avengers movie. But <laughs> uh, no, skip those entirely. Uh, watch the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action film, and honestly, yeah. stop there. 
Uh, uh, Parts of two I like. Yeah, three is pretty terrible. TMNT yeah. well, is sort of a sequel. It 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 doesn't negate the continuity of those three, and it has a few small references to them, but it kind of stands on its own. Uh, watch that if for nothing else than the Raphael versus Leonardo on the roof in the rain fight scene. My God, that's awesome. Well, part of what really screwed up the secret of the ooze was the fact that a, a lot of parents took their kids to see the first one thinking, mm-hmm. oh, it's a movie of the cartoon. Yep. Uh, and it's not, obviously. And we they came got out all learning up- new curse words. Yeah. yeah, they got all upset because it was a more adult adult version of a kid's property. And there was this huge campaign and this huge backlash. And when they did the second movie, they they mandated that the turtles could not utilize their weapons in the fight scenes. So, they... just like the cartoon, yeah. So exactly. So the the second movie gets neutered quite a bit, and and that hurts it. It hurts it a lot. Yeah. And we're but, not uh, even going to get into the third movie. No. Uh, yeah, no that's, so, that's... but yeah, uh, that was that was. The first one that popped in my head, uh, and again, not that people don't know what Ninja Turtles is, um, but there are people out there who don't realize Turtles existed prior to the cartoon. Uh, it did not, because really? again, especially around that a uh, that era, there were plenty of cartoons that sprang up overnight just to sell a toy line. So I can you can kind of be forgiven, um, but no, it it began life as a hardcore comic book. Yeah. Yep. Which I didn't actually learn until you told me that, John. Oh. So. I'm full of nuggets of wisdom today. Yeah. Yeah. Or whenever I told you that. That was a while ago. <laughs> you know. Doc, That's what okay. you got? Um, I'm going to stick with Scott Cox's theme of you don't need to show the hero's face in order okay. to have a good movie. Okay. And... I'm going to talk about probably one of the grittiest, not goriest, but it is pretty gory, hard-hitting, just awesome movies I have seen in a very long time. And that, of course, is Dread. Not Judge Dread. No, definitely not. Dread with Carl Urban as Dread. Uh, uh... Use his whole name. <laughs> what? Use his full name. Carl. You what you're about. Carl. Carl Urban. fucking Urban. Carl fucking Urban. Yeah, there his you go. Full name. <laughs> so before we dive into Dread, oh, okay, I am gonna say that Judge Dread has its moments. Hey, look, we go back what like four episodes ago. Me and Jay pitched a whole toy line based on the Stallone Judge yep. Dread movie. Yep. So we yeah, don't yep. hate that movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. There's yeah. no, it's it's not hate. It's just, no. it's <laughs> like. I get it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Dread, it, much better. <laughs> right. It's like if somebody said to you, would you like this nice can of Coca-Cola or this RC Cola? Whoa. I'm like, why, is there, why is there no, pep, why is there no Pepsi? I, I need my Pepsi. <laughs> Y'all got any cheer wine? <laughs> Ah uh, yes. Oh, it's one. it's it's again. We we appreciate the Stallone version, but it's it's apples to oranges. It's yeah. um it dark. It, it's the Dark Knight or Batman and Robin. Oh, and wow. both have their place. Really, Batman and Robin? 
Really? The whole Alicia Silverstone which, which bullshit. Which all depends. Scoop me up, Uncle Alfred. Fuck you, Alicia Silverstone. Get the hell out of my Batman. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. I think we found a new uh, trigger for Scott. Well, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to detract from Dread. Let's go back to Dread. So, uh, I again, this is one that I did not know was a comic until long discussions with John. Wow. And um uh, I had seen the raid. I don't know if you guys I mean you guys have oh, probably yeah. seen the raid. I think it's the raid redemption. I've never seen it, don't know what it is. Um, it's called yeah, it was released as the raid for some reason when they brought it to the US, they called it the raid redemption and they added a subtitle right. to it. But uh fantastic Great. action movie from South Korea, I think. No, uh the Philippines. There you go. Um uh side note the one of the actors from um the raid is in John Wick 3 mm-hmm. um, but anyway so then you know John's like hey have you seen dread and i was like no no i i haven't and he's like but have you seen the raid and i was like yeah and he's like watch dread and i was like oh okay and i did and i was like man this is not the the Stallone Judge Dread. This is like <laughs> this is Dread. Like this is badass. Like you said, Carl fucking Urban mm-hmm. being Carl Urban, and mm-hmm. like in the beginning of the movie, he's just like he's like, "What are you gonna do, Hot Shot?" And he's like, "What'd you say, Hot Shot?" And then shoots him in the head, in the mouth with mm-hmm. a phosphorus round. Yep. yep. And it's like. Holy shit. That's when you know shit's going to be for real the rest of that movie. It's, like, you, yeah. yeah, it's it's got all the things we loved about, again, and I, I think this is, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but I'm pretty sure our first exposure to the character of Judge Dredd was the Stallone movie. Yeah. Uh, I was not reading 2000 AD imported British comics when I was in, what was that, sixth grade when that came out? Right. Um, and I'm still not. I've still never uh, read an actual issue of 2000 AD. I've just I've seen some reprint uh, Dread stuff. But uh, it, it keeps all the things we loved about the Stallone movie, right? The armor, the helmet, the yeah. the gun that can fire multiple uh, voice Different programmable miles, ammunition. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the, what's it called? The Landmaster motorcycle, uh, the whole urban setting of Mega City 1, like all the trappings we loved about that. But again, if 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 the Ninja Turtles movie was the hard edge turtles uh, versus the cartoon we grew up with, if Stallone was the version we grew up with, Dread is the hard R. Okay, here's what it really should be cranked to yeah. eleven version. Like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. The the Stallone movie takes everything that makes Dread Dread and <laughs> literally strips all that out of the movie by the end of Act One. Yep. Yeah. It's like, here's the character. Okay, we're going to forget about that now for now. We're going to go just watch Stallone Stallone for a while. The character of Judge Dredd in the comics to date has never removed his helmet, or at least if he has, his face has never been shown. Within 20 minutes, I'm not being generous, of of Judge Dredd, Stallone's got the helmet off. Uh, Carl Urban never comes off. As far as I know, Carl Urban only accepted the role on that caveat. Yep, that was and one he of his conditions. He would, he would never be seen without the helmet. Yeah, that's just, and oh, it's so good. Just thinking it. about it, like, uh, just everything about that movie, I just love it. And how he's just so calm and cool and collected and very, I don't give a shit about a lot of things. 
and he says a lot with just a scowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just like you just look at him. The the one of my favorite scenes is when they're riding up the elevator, and uh oh, his his rookie, um, Anderson. Anderson. She's like, he's thinking about going going for your gun, and he's like, yep. And then she goes, he changed his mind, and he goes, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just like he he knows these things, and it's just. It's a grizzled, like it, he's like a grizzled veteran of war because Mega City One is just a giant battlefield of dealing with this shit on a daily basis, and he's been through it. Like he's you can a, just see it. He's a street judge. This is yeah, what he does because yeah. he is the law. Oh God, he's yeah. And we we get that line delivered in this one too. Uh, it, it's the the and again, I hate to keep pissing on the Stallone version but like the the 90s judge dread was like hollywood blockbuster filmmaking big budget lots of showy special effects spectacle over you know anything and dread is the absolute opposite of that it is small budget um high concept we're not even going to show you all of mega city we're going to set it in one block of mega city during one night uh, you know, the night from hell for these two judges and whatever, if you want to say they stole it from the raid, whatever, I don't give a shit, but the, the whole self-contained storyline, let them, rather than trying to do all of mega city on that small of a budget, it's no, let's take that and let's spend that on one block of mega city one. Yeah. And, and they, they built, I think like uh six story structure <clears throat> for like the, the X or the, the hallway corridor stuff. And then green screen matted everything else. So there's lots of detail in the you know stories that they did uh, uh, build into, very lived in. Um, they shot it in I think South Africa to give it you know an urban landscape. And it, it's again, it's it's everything. If if the original Stallone is like the glitz and glam and shininess, this is like everything's dusty, everything's falling apart. Um, it, it's it, it's just so much more on on point with what Dread is, yeah. and and the action oh, in yeah. this movie is fantastic. Uh, it, the, it introduced the this drug called Slow Mo. All those when you, oh. when you take it, uh, you feel like everything around you is moving in slow mo, um, and they use that to great effect. It never gets oh. annoying. Uh, you know when 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 action hits and there you know shootouts happen when someone's on slow mo, uh, they use it sparingly. They don't do it every time there's an action scene like a, a Zack Snyder um, Watchmen where every time someone throws a punch it it shifts to slow mo. Uh, they use it to great effect um, sparingly, but it brings this whole cool visual aspect to some of the action scenes and the shootouts. It 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 definitely gives you a different perspective um, on like. The other, I guess, the other side of the door when uh, Dredd and Anderson bust into that that drug den, and you're just like, "Holy shit!" And just everything that when they slow that down and you see the bullets hitting people, or like, yeah, when that door explodes and that guy is like, "Like that is how it works." <laughs> It's just crazy. It's crazy to watch. I, just the first time I watched it, my jaw was on the floor. Like I'm like, this is amazing. 
why haven't I watched this movie a million times already? No, dude. Uh, it's a great movie. You're um, on fire with your picks today, man. I don't. Then, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why it didn't get why at least one sequel didn't get made or it rebooted a franchise. I don't know if it didn't do well in the theater or, or money. You know, was, was yeah, it's flat out. Uh, it, it's um, the marketing wasn't great on it. That's and, true. And it it really just kind of fizzled when it hit in theaters. Uh, people discovered it on home video. The the Blu-ray for a while was like the number one selling Blu-ray in the country. Like it did not find an audience until after it was out of theaters, and there was hope for a little while that that would be enough to to get them funding to make a, a sequel. And I guess that all just again fizzled out. And there was an announcement maybe two years ago that somebody was working on a Mega City One series that would have Judge Dredd as a character but not the focal character and there was rumors and talk of them trying to bring Carl Urban back to play Dredd in Mega City 1 that being said uh it's been a long time since I've heard anything about that project so I think it was just a matter of um uh, it did not do well theatrically yeah, that I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's, uh yeah. that's the, the short version is it didn't make enough money which no. is sucks because he yeah. was fantastic in that role yep. and it's not like they'd be asking for 150 million dollars to make a sequel you could make a judge uh, a dread do on 30 million uh, um yeah but i was gonna throw out there too that uh after seeing dread uh on one trip to go see obi john in kentucky i found a i think i found a dread comic and then when I went back to Iowa, I basically raided this comic book store in Des Moines because I was living in that area at the time. And I was buying all of their uh, Judge Dredd trades that they had <laughs> and nice. getting my collection together and started reading it. And so if you loved the movie Dredd, I would recommend going and finding whatever you can from the comics because it's more of the same characters and that sort of grittiness um that you would love in the movie so you got me hooked on the comics too john so congrats you're welcome <laughs> so. uh yeah no you're on fire with your picks today man uh and i'm gonna bring us back in the direction again okay <laughs> uh from the same year as my last pick 1990 um Back up a bit. 19, <laughs> 1989, Michael Keaton Batman hits and yep. does all the money in the world. And suddenly everybody's hot for comic book properties. And it was this weird era where, okay, we see comic book movies can make money, but we're not really sure why Batman worked as well. So we're trying to replicate that success, but we don't quite know what made that work in the first place. You get a lot of interesting movies from like ninety to ninety four ish, where we're trying to, you know, they're trying to chase that Batman money, but we're not quite sure why that works. So we're not quite sure why this flopped. You get stuff like The Phantom, The Shadow, and the movie I'm about to talk about, Dick Tracy uh, from nineteen ninety. Uh, I love Dick Tracy. Look, this movie is, I think, starting to get its due credit. Uh, I certainly didn't appreciate it at the time. Uh, I do now. 
but it, it's based so it's based on the comic strips from the 1930s uh which i just learned they're still printing today which is freaking crazy yeah. um it was uh directed and starred warren Beatty as dick tracy the 1940s era detective uh and, and it's the, the strip was you know cops and gangsters but done in like a crazy over-the-top comic book thing so all the gangsters have crazy nicknames and they're like they're literal what their nicknames are so like uh um uh, flat top flat top, william yeah. forsyth has a flat not just his hair's head like his whole head is flat uh lips manless played by paul sorino has giant lips uh mumbles played by dustin hoffman only mumbles when he speaks get it uh and it's the cast in this movie alone is is ridiculous because it was like warren Beatty just got all his buddies to come play a role it's like don't worry about it we'll put you in makeup no one will recognize you um you got al pacino as uh big boy caprice uh who did i forget manny patinkin as 88 keys um madonna as breathless mahoney dick van dyke as da fletcher james khan as spaldoni uh kathy bates who i legit forgot was in this movie uh as mrs green i think she runs the uh the orphanage uh the amazing cast uh the makeup is ridiculous because again it's all physical practical real makeup no fucking cgi anywhere great um and you've got this storyline that I am convinced introduced uh, an entire generation of kids to film noir tropes. If you can be a film noir story when everyone is dressed in Technicolor. Hey, this, movie had, this movie had a color palette of like five colors. <laughs> yeah, and the, the whole, again, so we were trying to figure out uh, how to make a comic book movie successful. And in comic strips, you're working with a very limited number of colors. So their idea was will replicate that in the movie. So everything is bright, uh, single-tone, technicolor colors. Like, you know, Dick Tracy's bright yellow coat, and bright reds and blues, and, like, everything is very uh, comic strip color, uh, which gives it a very, very distinct, interesting visual style. Um, but at the same time, we have a story that deals with uh, guys in trench coats and fedoras carrying Tommy guns, uh, femme fatales, gangsters, detectives, bootleggers, speakeasies, uh, all the tropes of like film noir, 40s detective gangster stuff in bright technical, <laughs> uh, which might be why this didn't quite hit with audiences when it came out. But as a kid who didn't know any better, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember the yeah. last time I saw Dick Tracy. I mean, I've seen it. I know I've seen it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've seen it enough to like remember it vividly, like everything. But I do remember parts of it, and it I do enjoy it. I really want to go back and watch it again because, like I said, it's been so long since I've watched it that it's it's out on Blu-ray now, and Warren Beatty himself supervised the transfer, so it looks fantastic. Um, nice. There's fuck all for special features, uh, but the movie looks really nice, so we got that going. Yeah. It's yeah, I and like you said, there's so many big names in that movie, and like I just remember the I remember the interrogation scene with Mumbles, Mumbles oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they threaten him with something. <clears throat> big one did it. Just what you could talk the whole well, time. The, yeah, <laughs> no, they, they don't threaten him. Remember, they record him. 
and they play it back, and he 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 puts his hand on the, the, oh, that's the right record on that. to start slowing it down. And when he starts to slow it down, you can clearly hear what he's saying because even though he's mumbling, he's actually telling the truth. He's just trying to present it in such a way where it's 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 unintelligible. And once he's caught with that recording, he's like, "Well, fuck shit." And that's yeah. why we have Scott. Um, yeah, no, I I love that movie. Of course, you know, I mean, like you said, the casting is great. Performances is oh, beautiful. Yeah. Even uh, even all the the ones that that are only there for a little bit because there's several of the the so people many. that that get killed like pretty quick in the movie. They're just there to make an appearance, and, and that's it. But um. Yeah, it's a phenomenal movie. It's got a good story. It's got a great cast. It, oh, and I would be remiss. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'd be remiss, and, and Whitney would kill me if I did not mention the fantastic score from Danny Elfman. Um, again, chasing that Batman money. <laughs> Get the guy yep. who did the music for Batman. <laughs> um, had a really, really weird toy line, too. Uh, from uh, the same guys who did the Ninja Turtles toy line. So all the Dick Tracy people had those weird Ninja Turtle body portions. Oh, nice. Like, weird mutants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, great movie. If you, if you haven't seen yeah. it, if you enjoy gangster movies at all, give us a go. It, it's a comic book gangster movie. I don't know how else to describe it. it it's got that over-the-top zaniness of um, you know, old school comic books, but it's straight up about a detective chasing, uh, you know, organized crime, running, you know, illegal booze with, yeah. with you know, shouts and and car chases and all the trappings of like an Untouchables kind of movie. Um, speaking of which, hang on, okay. who plays? Uh, hang on, I'm looking it up. Who plays? Uh... The his detective friend in that movie, okay. you know, the one that's just know. a the 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 plain clothes kind of guy. I know he's a plain clothes detective as well, but you know which one I'm talking about. His his his, his buddy and it was it McGillicuddy. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Hold on, let me just go through the ginormous cast. Yeah, McGillicuddy, Michael Donovan. Yeah, is that the same? No, okay. It's it's not who I was thinking. Who does not have a picture on IMDb? It's not. Let's see if I can find a picture of him because I, I I thought I remembered him from something else, but um, it may be a different. Oh. Oh yeah, no, no, that's a completely different person. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Yeah, well, everything I just said, ignore it. It does have, uh, Scott, I have to say this, it does have a cameo from Chief Miles O'Brien. Really? Uh, Cole Meany is credited as, you ready for this? Cop at Tess's. Oh, I gotta look this up. (laughs) Uh, I watched that movie like two weeks ago and didn't even notice that. Uh, That's a I enjoy. Yeah. I like that pick, John. That's Thank good. you. Thank you. Um, you, you keep 
taking us back to the past, and I keep bringing us forward. Okay. Well, that, those uh, are the those are the oldest ones I've got on my list. The rest are all from like the, the last ten years. You, almost. So this one may also be on your list. My next one that I was going to bring up. Okay. All right, John. Do you like spy movies? Oh, you're gonna take one. Yes, I do love spy movies. Do you enjoy awesome world building? Of course I do. Do you want to watch the greatest single gunfight scene to ever take place in a church? I'm glad you qualified that with taking place in a church. Because I was like, are we watching? Are we talking about John Wick? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, I would, Jay. Then you need to watch The Kingsman. Because manners maketh the man. Ah, it's so good. And it's so good. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I have never actually read the I don't know if it's comics or is it a graphic novel? Potato potato. Okay. Well and um, also the, the source material is vastly different yes. from, from the movie. Okay. Um but when it comes to movies based off of some sort of comic, man, the Kingsman is just something else. Yeah, that movie was- like it came out of nowhere. It blindsided me when I saw it in theaters. I was like, this is amazing. Why aren't more movies like this? Like, that's seriously what I thought. So it's based on a a limited comic series by Mark uh, Millar, who also did uh, Kick-Ass, and illustrated by Dave Gibbons, who did Watchmen, uh, which I think was like a six-issue limited series. Um, But uh, yeah, in 2014, it got turned into a movie from Matthew Vaughn, the guy who did um, X Men First Class and some other stuff I can't think of. <coughs> Sorry, um, uh, he but, also did Kick Ass, obviously. Um, but man, I oh, it's just so good. The casting choices were really good. Uh, I love Colin Firth in this movie, who is totally cast both against and to type. Because yeah. he's he's not the guy you think of when you think action star, but British gentleman, he nails. Yeah. Uh apparently he spent six months working out to get in shape for it. Um and man, don't fuck with Colin Firth. Yeah. Um and I I wanna say welcome to Hollywood, uh Taryn Edgerton. Yep. Um but he's like debut. I didn't think he was in anything before that. And he did fantastic, I thought, mm-hmm. in that movie. Uh, but it's the whole movie is great. It's it's a love letter to nineteen sixties spy stuff, like Bond yeah. and uh, the Man from Uncle and British Avengers, uh, not Marvel Avengers, whole different thing. Um, it's, it's all got this fun sixties aesthetic. It's it's having fun with like again the tropes and conventions of like old school sixties Bond movies. And the whole notion of a gentleman spy, um, but done for modern audience. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's got everything you want. It's got action. Uh, it's got a pretty good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, unexpected twists. Yeah. Uh, it's got a lot of comedy. Samuel I mean, L. Jackson as, as your main villain. Oh, One of the most yes. weirdest villains ever. <laughs> <laughs> that, apparently, that was apparently his idea because uh, he said hey all the bond villains have some kind of like um uh handicap or 
speak in an accent or have something, you know, you know, a scar or a wheelchair or something going on with them. Uh, so they, and I don't know how they settled that, but that's where the lisp came from. Yeah. was again, to be a send up of the sixties era of, of, uh, spy stuff. Yes. Can uh, a villain with a lisp work? Yes. Yes, yeah. it can. If it's Samuel L. Jackson, it definitely can. <laughs> or, the, or the fact that he hates violence and he gets sick when, <laughs> like yeah, they have which... to spend all that time covering up those bodies so that he doesn't see them. Which is such a great uh, again the the trope of the the spy movie is the the mastermind never gets his hands dirty, and here's yeah. here's a mastermind who literally gets sick when his hands get dirty, um, but it's okay because he's got what I, I think was also the American at least the American debut of Sophia Butella as uh, Gazelle, his right hand woman, um, with the the laser or uh, razor blade leg things yeah give you some awesome action Um, yes yeah dude kingsman is fantastic uh i and again thinking about favorite scenes when they're in that uh sort of the dressing room slash uh weapons cache yes any tailor shop yes and he's like he's like do a a common german greeting and he sticks his finger under his nose and does the hail. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, God, did they just make that joke? Mm-hmm. But you crack, you're cracking up laughing because you're like, eh, okay. Like this, you know, it's just, oh, what's his exit? That's just exit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little bit My Fair Lady uh, mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the British street tough uh, being trained as a gentleman spy. Um or Pretty Woman, I think, is the one the the example they use in the movie. No, they use My Fair Lady in the Do movie. They? Okay, yeah, I haven't, I'll have to watch it again. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the the comic is very different. Um, again, the overall idea is the same, but the story is different. Um, it's about uh, celebrities being kidnapped, which is why um, Mark Hamill gets a random cameo because Mark Hamill is. One of, if not the first, celebrity who gets kidnapped in the the comic. Um, so he plays the random professor in this movie. Uh, but again, the the core idea was there. The executions. So if you, if you like Watt or Kingsman, sorry, uh, and, and are looking for you know maybe a slightly different you know take on the same material, the comic is good. Uh, it's different, but good. Um, and then obviously the Kingsman had a sequel like two years later called the golden circle, which is not as great. It's um, it's okay. The The thing I hated about the sequel was the bait and switch with, uh, uh, Oh shit. I can't think of his name now. The act uh, Channing Tatum. Mm-hmm. Cause you literally get this great setup about, you know, the, the, the American counterpart of the Kingsman. The statesman, uh, the statesman, and and everything, which I thought was a great, you know, counterpoint and and everything. And, and, and their headquarters is a bourbon distillery, so it gets yes. points for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, you've got great characters, um, and everything. Uh, and then we were given Channing Tatum as this awesome character, and then literally at the end of Act One, he's taken away for like the duration of the movie. But he's, he's just we get Pedro Pascal, so. Grade? No, he's the Mando. Come on! No, yeah, he's Mando now. 
he wasn't then. Then he's he was still just a character. He, he's a random character that's introduced in Act Two, and he's forced down our throats. And I'm like, I, I want, I want Channing Tatum back. He was a much more charming character to play off of. I'm going to isolate the audio just so I have a God saying, I want Channing Tatum. <laughs> I want <laughs> Channing be, Tatum. Yes. That's going to be his new intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, it, it's. I think they were trying to go with something akin to the, and I won't spoil it, but the, um, the character who goes in the first movie, I think they were maybe trying to replicate that a little bit. And you're right, it does come off very much as a bait and switch kind of. Um, but, but no, the whole idea of like the American counterpart uh, was a cool idea. I'm not crazy about them being named after liquors. I didn't mind it. Well, they're in a bourbon distillery. Okay, cool. Why don't they all have code names based on bourbon? That would like make agent. But then, but but see, that's the thing. You don't have to pay trademark or royalty fees for bourbon, vodka, scotch. But you do for Maker's Mark, Buffalo Trace. No, 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 no. It's Maker's, Daniels. You, you don't use the full name. You just use part of the name. You're not playing. It's not full. a bad idea either. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, that that's a good idea actually. Weller. Yeah. <laughs> Less people will get those references. Um, but anyway, and then there is, I'd say, um, I think next week, the 18th. Uh, we get The King's Man, the prequel uh, to both those movies, which is how the whole Kingsman organization came to be. Uh, and I will be there opening night. I can't wait for that. It looks yeah. good. Yes. So, very timely pick, Jay. So, that, that was my... I, I guess I stole it from you, John. I'm sorry. No, dude, that's... Again, that's fine. There's no stealing. It's just, yep, great minds thinking alike. And yeah, we would be remiss not to have the Kingsman on our list because that is such a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, Okay, my next one I've got then is going to be super recent. Uh, As of like two months ago, uh, 2020 on Netflix, The Old Guard. Uh, And I, I, full disclosure, had no idea this was a thing until the trailer for the movie popped up and it said based on the the graphic novel by Greg Rucka. I'm like, well, I've never heard of the old guard, but I know Greg Rucka. I really liked his Punisher run and his Wonder Woman run. I better go track that down. And as luck would have it, A-plus Comics had a copy of the first volume of the trade for the old guard. Uh, I read it in one sitting because I couldn't put it down. And I was like, all right, I am pumped for this movie. And the movie came out on Netflix, I want to say like two months ago, and did not disappoint. Uh, Really, really fun action movie. If you're unfamiliar with it, here's the quick, simple premise. Here's how I'm going to pitch it. It's the A-team if they're all immortals. It's a group of immortals uh, who have banded together, uh, despite being from different centuries. uh, And they work as a group of mercenaries with kind of their own agenda. Uh, and, and the plot kicks in when someone they've worked for in the past starts to catch wise of what they are and sells them out to a evil pharmaceutical guy who wants to capture them and dissect them and figure out how they work so he can replicate that, sell it to people. Um, fantastic action. Uh, it is, it is, uh, 
the script, the the uh, 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 sorry, a couple of versions of the script. The script they ended up going with was adapted by Greg Rucka, who got to adapt his own comic to a movie. Uh, so it's very faithful to the at least the original five issue run of the comic. There is, I think, a second run coming out soon. Um, it's got a really cool premise. Uh, it's familiar enough uh, that you you can. It doesn't take a lot of exposition for you to get on board. Okay, cool. They're immortal. There's one scene where they all get shot to hell, and then they take a breath and get back up again, and you see them kind of start to heal up like uh, movie Wolverine, and you're like, oh got it okay they heal cool i got i'm on board cool uh but it's different enough it has its own sort of twist on the Im- immortality thing um that it doesn't feel stale the action's top notch it's got charlie Theron as uh, andy the leader of the group um they're all from different time periods which is really fun because we see them operating now so they're going in with tack vests and submachine guns and then a medieval broadsword <laughs> and a, a a battle axe uh, and a scimitar and you know because because that's what they train with that's what they know uh, so you get some really cool action scenes uh, with all the different because if you've been around for for centuries you've picked up lots of martial arts moves uh, and this movie shows them off um, it's got some really really interesting characters I don't want to spoil too much um, yeah a I lot of unknown, yeah a lot of unknown actors giving some really Really great performances. Um, hopefully, I've I've said enough to sell you. It oh, was, it's really I want to check it out now. I really do. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, it, it, it's uh, when the week it hit, it was viewed in seventy million homes. Biggest uh, successes from Netflix this year. Netflix has had a couple, so uh, give it a watch. It's really good. Nice. Um. Well, I don't know. you yeah. want me to go on to yeah. my. Jump on next one. Okay. Um, I'm going to throw out some names here of movies. Okay. Okay. All right. A League of Their Own. Forrest Gump. Okay. Uh, Toy Story. Uh huh. Big. Uh huh. Captain Phillips. Sully. Oh, I know where he's going with this. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I just went to see where he's going to stop. Right. Okay. What? What? Who is the common denominator in all of those movies? Daniel Craig. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh Clearly, we all know Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. Oh, that's where you go. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tom <laughs> Hanks. The. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, Tom Hanks is the. Guy, guy to, buddies. Oh, yeah. he's he's the guy to go to <laughs> if you want like a feel-good story done right <laughs> not this story not this story <laughs> nope no nope. spoiler not this one uh obviously i think you guys know what i'm talking about uh yeah. road to perdition dude props Oh Which, my god! I'll be honest. Until we until we talked about doing this topic, I did not know it was based off of a graphic novel. I I knew it. Um, I had learned it at one point in time, and then again in researching this topic, I was like, "Oh yeah, Road to Perdition." Oh my god, I love that movie so much. It's just I I don't know. I like I don't know how to describe it to anybody. Like how good it is. But I mean, the, the, so the story is 
Uh, Tom Hanks plays a hitman for a mob. Um, and uh, his son witnesses him doing his job. And so then the, was it the son of the mob family boss? Mm-hmm. Murders Tom Hanks' wife and son, but he murdered the wrong son. And so then Tom Hanks spends the rest of the time um, trying to exact revenge for their deaths. And if you want to see Tom Hanks in a gritty, very emotional role, definitely watch Road to Perdition. It definitely let him stretch his legs as an actor and showed his range. Oh, yeah. What? Who's it? I can't remember the guy's, the, the name of the director who did that. I cannot think of his name. Because uh, he's gone on to do a couple Bond movies. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't, I don't know, but it's the, you know, and, and I agree with you, Scott. Yeah, they, Sam Mendes. Sorry. Um, yeah, did, he he's gone on to he did Skyfall, uh, one of the best Bond movies ever made. He did uh, 1917, which came out last year. Uh, fantastic director and his uh, his his visual. Yeah, he did Skyfall and Spectre. Um, his visual storytelling is on point. Like their entire sequences in this movie, where not a word is spoken, mm-hmm. um, you see um, Tom Hanks and uh, is it Paul Newman who plays the mob yeah. boss he works for? Yeah, uh, just exchanging looks, and like they don't have to say a word, and you're just like, you get it. Like it, yeah, it's so good. Well, and uh, as far as I know, I believe this is Paul Newman's last like live action appearance on screen in a movie. Really? He does some he does some voice work uh after this, but I think this is his last on screen performance. Because he did he did cars. Yeah. But I don't yeah. Cause this was Road to Perdition was two thousand two. Yep. So uh, here where are we at here? Um yes um, the final theatrical live action acting project for Paul Newman. But uh, I again, I like I keep picking out favorite scenes from movies, and uh, from these movies. And one of my favorite scenes is when Paul Newman is going to get into his car, and Tom Hanks is at the end of the road, and nobody knows he's there, and he just starts opening up on the entire entourage with his Tommy gun, and then walks up on Paul Newman. And Paul Newman says to Tom Hanks, uh, I wanted it to be you that did him in. It's just, oh, that movie. Now, one thing that that, that I have to, you know, get this movie for, because I love this movie, this is a great movie, uh, is um, visually, it's it's beautiful. And uh, I haven't read the graphic novel, though I do have it on order now because <laughs> I, I ordered it yesterday. It's good. Um, apparently, it's been it's been expanded from the original work since the movie became popular uh, by the original author. He he went back and like added more story. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, is the is the Thompson submachine gun the use of the Tommy gun in this movie? There is a lot of scenes in this movie that happened in the rain. 
Yeah. There's, there's a lot of night rain in this movie. And I know it's done because it's visual and it's appealing and, and you know, the Tommy is the, the preferred weapon and, you know, the period and stuff like that. But the Thompson submachine gun fires from an open bolt position. And it's very unusual in, in, in that regard because uh, most things fire from a closed bolt position. Now, the <laughs> downside to it firing from an open bolt position is the fact that it's very susceptible to dirt, debris, and fouling, uh, especially when used in inclement weather. <laughs> so all this down torrential downpour of rain, you know, would 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 have this this Thompson just fouling and jamming like a shit ton. Well, you could I'm gonna stop you there. Enough. I believe he begins that sequence from cover. I, I was gonna say he, he could be under an awning. Yeah. He begins it from cover, yes, but throughout the movie. There is a lot of stuff done and and under rain. I mean, you'd have he'd have to spend a lot of time keeping this gun well oiled, and I mean well oiled. Not that it's not possible. I'm just saying, just pointing out that the weapon does have a little bit of a design flaw. It's not perfect. shut up, Scott. Uh, <laughs> it looks awesome, and that's all we it, care about. It does it's look true. awesome. It looks beautiful. Also, uh, nothing puts out a muzzle flash like a Thompson. Right. Uh, shout out to Jude Law yeah. for being a badass bad guy. The creepy ass fucking is he crime scene photographer or something? Right. He just he yeah he's like a he's like a press photographer, but he takes pictures of dead people that yeah most of the time he murdered. Yeah, because yeah, because he walks in and, and and he tips some like a cop off to get in before the detectives to take pictures. And yeah, one of the victims isn't quite dead yet, but it's messing. So he kills up. him. Yeah, they're moving and messing up his shot, so he finishes the job. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, oh. man, the man's got integrity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead and cancel my photo sessions with Scott now. <laughs> and uh, how the the kid, his son, uh, mm-hmm. he doesn't he go on to do other movies? I can't I don't know. think. I can't think of his name. Get your phone. Go to IMDb. Um, yeah. Come on, do your homework. But he <laughs> he did a great job of that movie too. It's I think he was a good counterpoint to Tom Hanks's character. No, that's it's a great movie. Like you said, it's it's interesting to see Tom Hanks cast as kind of a bad guy. I mean he's 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 the protagonist of the story, sure, but he's he's not a nice guy. No. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if he comes to your house, chances are you did something to bring him there. It's not personal. <laughs> yeah. Wait, am I crossing crossing wires here? You're uh, you're getting into you're getting a little uh, gross point. Play. <laughs> That's not based off of a comic, is it? Because that'd be an awesome. I don't think so, because it'd be at the top of my list. Yeah. Any excuse to talk about gross point blank. <clears throat> Want to see John Cusack get in a shootout in the middle of a 7-Eleven? Watch Gross Point Blank. He'll thank me later. You just want to see, you know, uh, uh, John Cusack get into a shootout with Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Popcorn! <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd apparently saying completely God, random things. Yep. Uh, you, want to, you know, John Wick is famous for killing a guy with a pencil. Uh, John Cusack killed a guy with a pen in a high school hallway before it was cool. That's all I'm saying. All <laughs> yep. I'm saying. And he killed somebody with a television. 
<laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Martin Blank, best assassin ever. That's what we're saying. You heard it here first. Uh, uh, yeah. So... Uh, I'm going gonna, gonna to piggyback off that, Jay. Um, okay. Because this is a movie that I'm not going to lie, I forgot existed until about five minutes ago when you were talking about um, Road of Perdition, and it got my mind thinking. Um, around that same time, 2005. Uh, are you familiar with the works of David Cronenberg? Yes. The master of body horror, right? Yep. What if I told you he directed a mob action thriller in 2005? I'd believe it. The guy who brought you The Fly uh, directed a comic book adaptation called A History of Violence. Yes. Oh, I saw that on I I saw that one too, and I was like, oh. In fact, Gus got. I first heard about this today. I've never seen it or read it, know nothing about it, but I've heard good things. I will oh, bring it tomorrow because I forgot I own it. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> um, starring Viggo Mortensen, uh, Maria Bello, uh, Ed Harris, and William Hurt. If that cast doesn't get you on board, get the fuck out. Um, <laughs> the premise is very simple. Viggo Mortensen is a guy who lives in a very small town, works at a diner. One night, some ne'er-do-wells come in, and through an act of violence... Uh, Viggo Mortensen fights these guys off and saves some bystanders and becomes a bit of a local hero, which gets him some media attention. And then suddenly, some shady-looking mob kind of dudes keep showing up uh, around town because they think Viggo Mortensen is someone he says he's not. And I won't spoil anything from there. Safe to say, it's got some great action, uh, amazing cast. uh, And again, the action is fast, brutal and gory because it's directed by david cronenberg the guy who brought you the jeff goldblum fly uh Uh, existence and all these other you know body horror movies uh he's doing an action thriller it uh you gotta see it i I just want to throw this one thing out there too yeah yeah. it's probably got the most awkward scene on a staircase i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna yeah throw that out there don't so watch prepare your company. Yeah. yeah, prepare yourself because it's, yep. yep, uh, but yep. Really good movie, um, and that, that's another one of those. That I was in the same boat as Jay. Like I remember seeing trailers for this movie coming out. I uh, had no idea it was based on a graphic novel. So I watched it <laughs> off the store here, and they they, they had a uh, a section of uh, uh, comic books about to be movies or comic books that had become movies. And this was sitting on the shelf, and I was like, "That's a comic book." Um, hmm. but yeah, really, really good movie. Great oh, direction, yeah. uh, amazing cast. Um, uh, really good action scenes. Again, they're 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 not long, but they're you know short, brutal, and in quick. Um, which is how how it would be because you know it's got the whole yep. eye of realism. Uh, but great movie. I don't want to say too much about. The movie yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm I love it. to remember bits and pieces, and I don't want to. Right. Um, good. Really good movie. If you enjoy Road to Perdition, check this one out, and vice versa. If you've seen History yes. of Violence but haven't seen Road, Road to Perdition, check them out. If you haven't seen either one of them, get them both. Have yourself a double feature night. Yep. Not in mixed company, though. For <laughs> Yeah, save History of Violence till later. Yep, yep. <laughs> when you can watch it by yourself or with the guys. That's um, Yep. Okay. Uh, but, John, I'm going to go. I'm going to piggyback off of your piggyback. Do it. We're, We're talking. You, we're talking about 
short bursts of violence. Uh-huh. I only have one thing to say to you. This is Nerd Alert. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta write on the timestamp so I can use that now. <laughs> the, the the one the preaching the, the one movie that just took slow-mo action gore to the next level. The the movie that that uh just catapulted Gerard Butler into the action forefront. The And Zack Snyder. The then Zack Snyder, the movie that made abs <laughs> on abs on abs. And, and if you don't if you don't know what go ahead, Scott. And and it, it gave a two point bump in the stock market to the olive oil industry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I uh I mean, this movie, if you don't know that we're talking about three hundred, I'll tell you right now. This movie made me want to search the world over for, I believe, after watching episodes upon episodes of Forged in Fire, that the swords that they use is actually a copus, a Greek copus, mm-hmm. or something, some variant of a Greek copus. If you want to watch people just throwing spears, jabbing spears, just gory violence, just mayhem to the next level 300 is your movie <laughs> you know yeah dude for for better or worse 300 was kind of a, a shift in action movies around. and uh oh man uh if we're talking literal translations of comic book to movie 300 has got to be up in like the top five uh, I mean, there's literally shots that are just painstakingly recreated from the books. Uh, and it was done in that sort of uh, green screen controlled environment, um, sort of like Sin City, where every aspect, short of like the actors in their costumes, were controlled and, and, and altered in post to give it a look of uh, uh, like Greek painting, uh, oil painting kind of to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing is. Nothing looks real. Because uh, yeah. the, the wonderful conceit of 300 is it's a story being told by a Spartan to a group of other Spartans. So while, yes, the Battle of Thermopylae was real, the 300 Greek uh, Spartans, that, that, that all happened. But this is that story cranked to 11 till you break the damn knob off. Yeah, uh, because it's being told as propaganda. So it's not just we fought the Persians; it's we fought the Persians' royal immortal assassins. Uh, we, we we didn't just fend off some elephants; we fended off like crazy random rhino monster things. And like it's it's again, it's all hype to to build up these other Spartans to go into battle. So it has this wonderful otherworldly quality. To it. Yeah. Uh it's yeah, it's it's also the movie that launched like a million memes of <laughs> this is Sparta. It made the you Spartan know? kick a thing, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh it's just so good. Like it's the action sequences and, and I'm gonna say this too. Um uh, maybe pull out Road to Perdition and give yourself a non mixed company double feature of uh a history of violence and 300 
because there's yeah 300 has a lot of uh gratuity to it let's just put it that way. oh yeah uh there's no holding back in 300 um a friend to a i guess it would be a friend to the show a friend to obi john and i uh i don't know i don't think he's met commander scott yet um bob 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 says that predator used to be his perfect movie because it was the it was the perfect guy movie. Okay. Because there's nothing, there's no fluff whatsoever to Predator. When 300 came out, he said this dethroned Predator as the perfect guy movie. Um, also for the scene with the king and the queen, because he said that's the only thing that Predator was missing. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's not wrong. Yeah, he's so, boobies. no boobies in Predator. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I would I would feel like we I would feel like we slighted this episode if we didn't bring up three hundred. No, and I and I, I think it's it's interesting looking back that Zack Snyder staged a lovemaking scene between the king and queen the same way he does a battle scene. I'm yeah. not sure what that says, but it probably says something. Right. Smarter people than me can tell me what that means. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, dude, three hundred. Well, he does divide and conquer. He penetrates. <laughs> he you know, mm-hmm. it, is, it is it is complete battle, one hundred percent. Now he sends forth his minions to die honorably. <laughs> uh, Was no, there a right. strategic um, retreat to flank the rear guard? Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, I don't know if there was an end run. No. <laughs> Uh, I've got one left that, again, we can't close this out without talking about. We've mentioned it a couple times. We haven't quite actually talked about it yet. Um, From around the same time, Sin City. Yeah. Uh, Um, Marvin's my spirit animal. (laughs) I don't know what that says about you, but... Um, Again, if we're talking literal translation of comic to movie... Uh, Sin City was done painstakingly to look as much like the comic as it could. Um, actors in makeup, weird lighting effects used on sets, lots of digital sets and digital set extensions um, to make it look as much like a, a moving comic book as they could. Uh, and you know, we talked earlier with Dick Tracy about film noir tropes. Sin City is is film noir on steroids. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I, if, you, if you've never seen it, I recommend tracking down the director's cut, um, because so Sin City is the comic. Sin City is a comic book series. Every every uh, um, not issue, but every storyline is its own self-contained story within the world of Sin City. The movie takes three of those and then adds a wraparound segment to tie them all together. But they're not, you know, they have characters that pass through each story. They have some elements that kind of carry over, but they're really their own self-contained story. And the director's cut, all it does is separate them out into four short films and it extends all of those films. It puts some stuff that was cut for runtime. Um, so you, you watch them all as 
self-contained movies or stories. Uh, and I think that's a better way to present it. Uh, watch them all in a row. So you get when characters pop in and out um, and watch them in the order it has them listed in. Uh, but I, I think that's a, a better way to watch it. But even if you can't watch it that way, it's again, talking about perfect guy movies, it's um, guns and gangsters and violence and boobies everywhere. Uh, but, you know, artsy black and white movies. So um, you yeah. can watch it in mixed company because it's all about the art. Um, and it's, to, it's good. <laughs> yeah, to uh, to I guess bookend this. Yeah, uh, going back to my college class, this was the other adaptation that I talked about in my presentation because my argument was: is it better to make your own thing or do a completely faithful adaptation? And I read A Dame to Kill for, okay. which is the Marv. Uh, the whole Marv storyline. Yep. I think, or was it a Dame to Kill For? No. Was that the name of it? I think that's the one the second one's based on. Whatever the Marv, I can't remember the the Marv storyline now. What the name of that book was, the, the graphic novel. But that's the one I read. And it is like a perfect shot for shot copy from one to the other. Um, so I talked about this in my presentation as well. We had a, we had a, 15 minute time limit the hard goodbye is the marv ah, uh, storyline okay uh yeah we had a we had a 15 minute time limit and mm-hmm. the assistant professor told me i was already 10 minutes over and i was not yet finished with my presentation yeah. <laughs> she was giving me the you need to wrap it up sign and i still had like i don't know 10 slides to go on my powerpoint <laughs> When you ask a nerd to do something like that, you 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 don't know what you're in for. That's that's all. So. Uh, <coughs> I had a film course in high school. <coughs> Shout out to Lisa Osterman, who I know is listening to the show. Um, my own personal Yoda. It was it was the first time I ever studied film in a classroom setting, and um, it was specifically studying the hero's journey as presented in film, uh, and in part of the class was every film we watched. Yeah. You were broken into groups and your group had to, um, for every movie. One of the groups had to present the movie to give like background information about the movie and kind of introduce it to the class. One of the movies we screened was aliens. Guess what movie I got assigned to aliens. Guess what project I completely took over aliens. To the point that the next year when I was off in college, I uh, happened to be home for like spring break or something. Uh, but high school was still in session and they were about to do Aliens. And I was brought in as a, this is a crowning achievement in my nerd cap, uh, a guest lecturer for Aliens. Uh, <laughs> where I spent, uh, it was like a, say a 45 minute class, might have been a little bit longer than that. Uh, and I spent the entire time introducing aliens and giving trivia about it uh, and then answering questions from the class about aliens um, nice. to the point where I was literally drawing out the life cycle of an alien on the whiteboard. <laughs> uh, it was, nice. it was the most fun I've ever had with my clothes on. That's not true. It was a good time though. Uh, but yeah, that's to, to drive your point home, Jay, when you give a nerd an assignment like that, uh, yep. time to 
topics are meaningless. We're going to talk as long as it takes us to get through what we want to talk about. Yep. Yep. But yeah, uh, yep. Sin City. I am in. So good. So there, yeah, that's it's a pretty solid list. Uh, I don't know how many we have. I didn't. Uh, some pretty good ones. There's some really obscure ones too, which is fun. Because that's the whole premise of the show is that's a comic book? Yeah. Well, as we discussed, I'm going to interject here. Do it. As we discussed, you know, before this started, I, I didn't really have like any kind of a list because I knew the three of us have a lot of similar tastes and I was pretty sure that most anything I could come up with would be covered. And I was right. Uh, <laughs> every Everything. However, I did have some stuff that I was holding in reserve just in case it didn't get mentioned. Cause we can't stop the show without mentioning it. There's a couple of them okay. uh, that did not get mentioned. Scott's uh, honorable mentions. Yes. I cannot believe we're going to wrap this up without talking about the rocketeer. See, I pegged that as a superhero genre. See, I don't. I, I'm going to allow it because it means I can talk about the rocketeer. The so. rocketeer is an awesome <laughs> movie. It, it's, it's noir. Um, yeah. Uh, it 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 doesn't have it doesn't have any superpowers. <coughs> well, you don't uh, have to have superpowers to be a superhero. Right? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't consider him a superhero though. In fact, I think that's the entire point of the Rocketeer. Is he's the everyman. He just he's not. Yeah. A superhero. He just he but has he's got rock. a rocket pack and a and an outfit and a secret identity and he he, he fights Nazis. He, he, you know, look, look again. I'm not going to argue because it means I get to talk about Rocketeer. <laughs> but that's just. The, my thought process was no, he's kind of a superhero, but again, well, whatever. Yeah. We'll talk about Rocketeer. I, I put him in it, so you know. And a lot of people don't realize that the Rocketeer was a comic book. Or, yes, it or, was. Yeah, um, it's something I wish that they would bring back, you know, in a more uh, forefront thing. But like every reboot attempt has never really worked that well. But no, I mean, I, I love the Rocketeer. It's a great movie. It's got a great cast. Um, uh, wonderful effects that I think hold up today, even though I don't think there's any CGI in it at all. It's all practical and green screen and, and everything. Um, but yeah, so that was one of my honorable mentions. And also, just to jump on that, uh, if you do know the Rocketeer only from the movie, check out the original run of the comic. Uh, very different. Much more Jeez. grown up. Um, Jenny is not an actress. Uh, I'll let you discover where, what she is on your own. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, very, very different edge to the comic. Uh, and it's, it's crazy. Read the comic and then say to yourself out loud, Disney's going to make this a movie. <laughs> and they did. And well. they did. And it was amazing. Plus it gives us, you know, the, the actor that plays uh, Eddie Valentine. I love that actor. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's in Goodfellas and everything. But, you know, it gives us that wonderful line that he gives, you know, in it, you know, when when he's uh, when he tells him that he's working for a Nazi. He's like, I may not make an honest buck, but I'm 100 percent American. Yep. Love that line. Go get him, kid. And then you got the the scene where the. Where him and the the the, the FBI agent stop shooting for a minute, and kind of look at each other, <laughs> and go yeah, back. Just go that back acknowledgement. Of, yeah. the, there's one uh, uh, written in stone rule of any movie ever made, and that is fuck Nazis. 
Uh, it doesn't matter yep. if you're a, a, an FBI G-man or a uh, uh, rum runner, bootlegger, gangster. Fuck Nazis. Fuck Nazis. <laughs> they are the universal, it's okay to hate them bad guy of cinema. The Nazi. Yep. Um, and the other one that's on my list, you may think it's a superhero genre. I don't. Um, Batman. No, not Batman. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize it's based off of a comic first. Most people know it from a cartoon adaptation of it. This movie gets shit on a lot, but I love it. Came out in 1980, starring Robin Williams. Oh. Popeye. Oh, yeah. The bold God. move, Cotton. Love that movie. That movie is so tongue in cheek, it's not funny. So you're the one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. That was supposed to launch Robin Williams' career into movies. Boy, it sure didn't. <laughs> Luckily, he got a second shot, but you thank know. God he got a second shot. <laughs> no, Oof, I, I really love that movie. Uh, that movie had some. Cause, well, first of all, so I think one of the things that really mess this movie up uh even though i love the director robert altman robert altman making popeye and we don't have to wonder we can see it we (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time if there's ever two different director and property that were mismatched it's this movie uh robert altman being famous for doing the the mash movie the movie, uh, the not movie, the show. not the series. Uh, and uh, um, was it uh, uh, one of the things that Robert Altman does and did very well uh, was that unlike standard in movies, he actually had actors talking over each other a lot because in 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 real life people talk over each other now it doesn't it doesn't bother us in real life because we're able to focus our hearing and and we can pick out exactly what we want because sound mixing in movies you know and and things generally the and you don't even realize it's happening most times but the the, the background din dies down to either almost nothing or it's actually completely cut out whenever you have your primary actors delivering their lines but not with Altman with Altman, you get a full mix. It's it's people talking over each other. He has multiple conversations going on at once, and for the most part, you can follow them. I I like his tone of movie, so I like Popeye. Um, uh, I do like the fact that uh, uh, Robin, but given that it's, it's Altman and and that's how he recorded, you know, his sound <laughs> and his conversations and stuff with uh, Robin Williams doing the Popeye stutter. Uh, it came out mostly illegible, and uh, Robin Williams actually had to redub. I, I think about like ninety percent of his dialogue in post. He had to loop most of it. So, yeah, but I love that movie, and so I wanted to get it in there. Well, Scott, that's why we have you. <laughs> I never would have thought to bring up Popeye. So thank you <laughs> for making this a very well-rounded list. Anytime yeah. I can help. All good, man. Uh, well, I believe that is the end of our show. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, let us know what do you think of our list. Uh, are there any movies on here you hadn't seen, or 
seen but didn't realize were based on comic books. Are there any we forgot? Um, there's, you know, probably some out there. We can get into debates about what is a superhero and what isn't a superhero. Um, <clears throat> again, I'll take any excuse to talk about the Rocketeer. Uh, it's on Disney Plus right now. Go watch the Rocketeer. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging in there. And check some of these movies out. They're pretty awesome. So, this has been your weekly nerd alert. On the half shell, they're the heroes for. In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with buggings mysterious. All police and detectives are furious because they can't find the source of this lethally evil force. This is serious, so give me a quarter. I was a witness, get me a reporter. Call April O'Neil in on this case. Hey, you better hurry up, there's no time to waste. We need help, like quick, on the double. Have pity on the city, man, it's in trouble. We need heroes like the Lone Ranger. When Tonto came pronto, when there was danger, they didn't say we'd be there in half an hour, because they displayed turtle power.